This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's up, everybody? Welcome into a special crossover edition of the Bears Illustrated podcast, where we are pleased to be joined by Drake Toll, the host of Locked On Baylor. Drake, what's up, man? How you doing? Guys, what's going on? It is a uh, probably the busiest football offseason that we've seen in a couple of years. So uh, outside of maybe hiring a whole head coach, it can't get much crazier. So, dude, I'm, I haven't slept, but I don't think it's such a bad thing. No, it's not. It's not. And I don't know if you know this, but I used to be the host of Locked On Baylor before you. Yes, you did. I wanted to build that. I didn't have the time at the time. And I spoke with Ross Jackson, and I told him that you need a young, energetic Baylor guy who can, you know, indulge his time to this. And you're spot on, bro. You're spot on. I got to give it to you. Garrett, if I could explain myself. I would say both young and energetic for better or much worse. And so those two bills, I think I fit and hopefully it translates well. Maybe some of the olds don't like it, but you know what? That's okay. Cause it's not only is it your grandma's show, it's also your show and anybody's show. So, exactly. Happy to be here with you today and happy to be with locked on Baylor as well. Thanks for passing the torch. Oh, absolutely, man. And I, we could go a million different ways with this, but I think the elephant in the room is obviously Gary Bohannon. Uh, we yeah. knew he was going to hit the portal more than likely once the, the decision came down that Blake Shapin won the battle. Um, and when he hit the portal initially, I think everybody's like, okay, here we go. Did When he first went into the portal, were you expecting him to find a Power 5 landing spot? And what were your thoughts on the news coming out about it's going to be South Florida instead of Missouri, who was usually, you know, that's where all the smoke was last week. I'll say this. I was really, really not shocked when Gary transferred. The first thing I was expecting was him to leave because he is the caliber of a power five starting quarterback. He showed that with 2,200 yards last year, 27 touchdowns. He won a sugar bowl for Christ's sake. And now He's got Oklahoma, who's on the phone, Missouri, where he's visited. You're talking Minnesota, Iowa State have been thrown out too. And and then the news comes out, he goes to South Florida. That wasn't on my radar. I don't know if anybody else had had tabs on that. And I mean, immediately I'm just shocked because I have said in the last week prior that Gary Bohannon is a power five starting caliber quarterback and should be that somewhere in this country, even if it's in Missouri, where he probably goes four and eight in the SEC, if he's lucky, even still, He's a starting five, or he's a starting quarterback in a power five. Now it's South Florida, dude, three and 18 the last two years. Yeah. Three and 18, two and 10 last season. Meaning Gary himself, I bet in the American Athletic Conference, can win them two more games than the two they already had. But what is that saying? I don't think much. I, I think maybe it's a great landing spot because he loves the coaching staff. And <laughs> the one thing I'm telling you, Garrett, this is the one thing, Garrett Perday. He, he must hate the cold weather. Anything relatively cold, he hates. Como, is, Missouri, is Missouri cold? Yeah. Como, too much. Too much so. Is it cold? No. But too much for Gary Bohannon. He said, I, I went to Tampa. He felt the sun. 
Bada bing, bada boom. South Florida Bulls. Man, I've been in, I've been in New York City for the last five months. I, I huh. <laughs> tell me about the cold. Um, but yeah, I think we all had the same reaction. Like, is this for real? I I was convinced that he was going to Missouri. Um, yeah. And I thought that he was basically looking for a spot where he could turn into an NFL quarterback. And Missouri was that place with head coach Eli Drinkowitz. But in hindsight, maybe we shouldn't be surprised. Um, I'm going to read Jerry, Gary's words on why he chose UCF, USF, who went 2-10 and 10 last season. He said, I picked USF because I believe in that staff. I believe in that culture. I believe in the change that's coming. And you know what that sounds a lot like? That sounds a lot like why he would have chosen Baylor after they went 1-11 under Matt Rule, why he would have stayed at Baylor when they changed from Matt Rule to Dave Aranda. And maybe he just has an eye for coaching staffs that are on the on the fringe of a turnaround. So so maybe he'll help them overcome their their slump and, and take off. Plus, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF are gone after next year. So if he stays for that second year, they could take over the AAC. They could. I, I know. So I was – my one – I guess, hesitation on Gary. Um, as far as Drake, like you're, you're pretty confident that he was a power five quarterback. My one hesitation was the deep ball and the consistency there. And I spoke with Will Turner, who covers uh, USF for 24-7 sports. And he was talking about the offense that they're going to run. Um, and he was saying that this is an offense that's looking to do short passes, intermediate throws, and just kind of get the ball out of his hand quickly. With that in mind, do you think this is a perfect offense for him to walk into during this situation? Yeah, you know, one thing that really stands out to me is that his head coach, Jeff Scott, is an offensive-minded guy. And when you look at his track record as an offensive coordinator, he won a national championship in 2017 as the OC at Clemson. I mean, the guy has coached quarterbacks like Taj Boyd and a guy that we've all heard of in Deshaun Watson. So when that is your quarterback list, when you lay your resume down and those are two guys that you help mentor and turn into elite-level quarterbacks in college football and build a program to a national championship squad. Now, don't get me wrong. It wasn't the Clemson offense that won the national championships. It was Brent Venables and the defense. I'll die on that hill. Even still, Jeff Scott has a great track record as an OC. <clears throat> now, being an offensive coordinator and a head coach is a very different realm. I don't know if, I mean, like, what do you have to trust from 3-18 and 18 on Jeff Scott's resume as a head coach, right? Like, you don't have much. But you do see Deshaun Watson and Taj Boyd and think, well, if that guy can build those dudes into what they've become, then he's obviously doing something right. <laughs> Maybe he's not the best head coach in the world, but I guess Gary is seeing a guy in Eli Drinkwitz, and you're thinking, well, he had some good quarterbacks at Alma High School in Arkansas, but, you know, one good year at UCF, but, and then you're seeing Jeff Scott and saying he's got a track record of developing QBs, and maybe that's the lore of this. I Look, I'll also tell you this, Garrett. Ask me anything about USF's offense. God, I, you, you know, <laughs> exactly, you're going to get exactly. me one, right. I would, I'd rather tell a great story and keep the facts from getting in the way. But uh, right now, all I know is that J uh, Timmy, Timmy McLean was their quarterback last year as a true freshman, started 11 games. Can't help but feel for the guy. Man, that in all of this, that is the dude that I, my heart goes out to Timmy McLean, who gave it all for the Bulls and will ride the pine the rest of his career. <laughs> I like it. I like it. That's funny. Drake, where do you stand on how Gary can translate into an NFL quarterback? You know, I, I don't think that I really have a leg to stand on when it comes to trying to make a case for Gary being an NFL quarterback, especially an elite level or even a good NFL quarterback. I, I don't think that he has enough arm talent to make it in today's NFL. You cannot be 
a a run first quarterback and have a consistent or a career with longevity i think we're starting to see that with some of those guys like uh, cam newton who your first couple seasons it's like okay it's revolutionary in the game and slowly but surely they start to drop off and you've seen lamar jackson patrick mahomes yep. really develop their arm talent across the scope of their career because it's what you have to have for a successful nfl career i just don't see gary ever having that remember the the big 12 championship Gary's first year that he played when he came in for an injured Charlie Brewer and like his first two passes, you're like, Oh no. Oh no. Like it's a dying duck in the end zone. I think RJ Sneed caught for a touchdown miraculously. You're like, that was a punt from an arm. Like th <laughs> if this is the future that we need some help and granted he got a lot better, but I don't know that his arm will ever develop into an NFL caliber quarterback. And I can tell you this, People that agree with me are guys like Nick Saban, who would never have let Gary sniff the field at quarterback, but he was a hell of a linebacker, and Alabama would have taken him at that spot. There's a reason he could only play quarterback at Baylor, who was 1-11 at the time he decided to jump on board. So with that being said, and when you look at the current quarterback room, um, obviously you got Joe, uh, Shapin's your quarterback. You got drones back there, and then C.J. Rogers, who is you know didn't even he's not even on scholarship right now. Yeah. Um, obviously not having Zach Pyron come in that 2022 recruiting class kind of put a damper in things. As far as the portal goes, do you see Baylor maybe reaching out and, and getting? And there's not really very many guys option open. Yeah. But my one, the one guy I'm keeping an eye on, because I think I think we could all be on the same page or we might not be, but I feel like it's Quinn Ewer's job in Austin and Hudson yeah. Card's going to hit the portal. And that dude right there is going to be probably arguably the best quarterback in the portal. And one of the best in the nation. I think he could start it a majority of the, the, the teams across the, the landscape, but does Baylor need, or do you see them identifying a quarterback in the transfer portal right now? I think Garrett, the problem with Baylor in the transfer portal is that Dave Aranda does not want to lean on it very heavily. And I think the one position you look at in the transfer portal that shows you're going to embrace the transfer portal as a similar, as something similar to free agency is the quarterback position. That's why I think Aranda is going to shy away from ever picking one of those up out of the portal. And another part of that, if Blake Shapin goes down, you got Kyron Jones. Now I don't, I've always been a Kyron Jones, a huge, huge advocate. I'm in his camp. But you look at last season, when Shapen went out against Texas Tech, remember that big hit on the sidelines, yep. you bring drones in. Drones played a couple times, and it's, they would never let him throw the ball. Never. He's going to go in there, hand the ball off immediately, get out of the game. There was not a lot of confidence in drones, and granted, I'm sure he's going to grow too, but you pose a great question. If you didn't have confidence in drones then, How's that switch going to flip that yep. much going into next season if Blake Shapin goes down? Because I don't know if you've seen Blake Shapin's, uh, his size, his dimensions are not huge. He is puny in comparison to even his offensive line. So one Siaki Ika from some other team goes and lands on top of him. It's the Kyron Drones show. Kyron Drones goes down. CJ Rogers isn't on scholarship. Now what? Exactly. So it's not going to hurt to have somebody else in there. But do I think Dave Aranda is hunting for a quarterback? It just doesn't feel like something he'd do. Now, maybe that's to the detriment of the team. Maybe it is. But I think Dave Aranda keeps that culture card over the wins or even having a, another option back there. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits. 
turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Fingers crossed. We're all hoping that Shapin ends up staying on the field and we don't have to worry about that backup quarterback question. True. Um, and if he does stay on the field, what do you think is the ceiling for this Baylor team? What, what do you see them doing this season? Can you believe this? That before Gary Bohannon transferred, everybody out there, there are a ton of national pundits that were saying, hey, Baylor's a top 15 team. You know, they got a great shot to be the first or second best team in the Big 12. And then after Gary transferred, you look at like betonline.ag, Baylor is in the fourth or fifth spot for best odds to win the Big 12 in a lot of these different betting sites. It has since gone down when Gary Bohannon left, What? which the coaching staff literally said Blake Shapin's a better quarterback than Gary Bohannon, and somehow that hurt Baylor. So for me, I think if you ask the outside world, this move is very – it's questionable at the least, and it's going to hurt Baylor's stock going into next season in the preseason. But I think the ceiling now with, with Shapin at quarterback is – is hot, but don't get me wrong. The kryptonite for this Baylor team next season, this is the A1 kryptonite, is their schedule. You go mm-hmm. on the road to Oklahoma. You go on the road to Texas. You are going to Ames. You are going to Morgantown. And where has Baylor not been able to have very much success? Those road. four places. So your schedule certainly doesn't favor you. That's going to be what makes the difference, I think, in a Baylor team that could be 11-1 or could very easily go 8-4. and four. I mean very easily. And I think I'm not stupid in saying that. I actually – so we we discussed this, what, Pernay, what, about two weeks ago? Yeah, I'd say two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, and I said that exact thing, Drake. I said Baylor's going to go – I have Baylor going 8-4 and four because of their inconsistency on the road. And you really are going to find out so much about this team, in my opinion, in particular on the back end in that game against BYU. You yeah. you won here last year, uh, and BYU brought a good crowd. I mean, you know, you're that's going to be a fun uh, thing to keep an eye on as the Big 12 moves forward. But you're going to go on the road. Uh, you're facing uh, – you have a, a, a secondary who really hasn't seen very many valuable game reps – um, I know Walcott and them, they, they've seen some, but you know what I mean. They haven't really seen right. that play in, play out. And then you're playing against an offense who, in my opinion, this is probably arguably the best receiving core BYU has ever had. And then you throw in with, you, with the returning quarterback, who is, this guy's older than a lot of the guys that across the, the landscape of college football because he did yeah. some of the, the missionary work. I feel like that's a, a recipe for disaster in a way for Baylor. I hope not. But I feel like that game is going to teach you a lot about what to expect next season. Garrett, I had it circled last year the same way. That was the the pinnacle. Okay, Baylor's going to be solid. But going into that BYU game, I thought, oh, this is the make or break for the rest of the year. You lose that game, you could very easily skid into Oklahoma or Texas later on. And next year's the same way. Can you beat a team? And, and look, I'm not even going to say a team. I'm going to say a program. BYU to me is less a team and more a program because their consistency they've had, especially recently, in that – Beating them two years in a row, really tough thing to do. Beating them in Provo, even tougher, because that is one of the hardest places to play in all of college football. And I think that's going to really be 
it, right, you, you said it. Baylor has shown, man, it's not the best road team. Historically, Baylor's just not been that good on the road. And I think you're going to see that probably again next year where they slip up in a couple of those games. Do I still think Baylor's got a great shot to make the Big 12 championship game at 10-2? and two? Yes, absolutely. But again, if that 8-4 and four record pops up, one, don't, don't be surprised. Two, that's okay, yep. right? Like, yep. it's not the end of the world if Baylor's number 21 in the nation, 8-4 and four when the regular season ends. Don't pull the fire alarm yet. That's okay. Next year's schedule is just a gauntlet, and thank God Texas and Oklahoma are leaving, so that shakes up because I cannot handle this same rotation of home and away games for the next 10 seasons. Yep. Yeah, it's tough, but I'm on the opposite side of Garrett. I have Baylor going either 11-1 and one or 12-0 and 0 this season. Wow. Yeah, I love it. Uh, I love it. I also love that more than eight and four. <laughs> <laughs> we all do. Um, I think that Dave Aranda is on his way to becoming a great coach. And I think the first step to, to being that is, is being able to win at home, which he did last year. And the next step is being able to win on the road. And I think he's going to be able to do that this year. Obviously BYU is, is a very tough game. I just think we dominate them in the trenches. Um, mm. Garrett, Garrett mentioned they, they probably have their best receiving core ever. We had we had Pastor Scotty on a couple weeks ago, and he said that he thinks Baylor has our best receiving core ever right now. Um, so I'm going to jump to receivers. What do you yeah. think of what do you think of Baylor's receiving core, and who do you think is the number one guy? Yeah, I think a big part of of Pastor Scotty's receiver. Uh, uh, Laura, he loves to say that this group is better than the Corey Coleman group or anybody, you know, Katie Cannon or, uh, or, or all of those guys, which I don't know if you can say that without literally seeing almost any of them play on a football field yet. Yeah. So we're kind of just throwing, uh, uh, can I say pissing into the wind a oh, little yeah. bit? Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, that feels like a little bit of what you're doing when you, when you say, and I, I've told Scotty that on, uh, on my own show is like, oh, right, okay. Punch the brakes, maybe a little bit here, but Baylor from a receiving core standpoint, uh, it is to me the <clears throat> I'll, I'll say this i have more questions right now at receiver than i do even in the secondary which yep. i think is saying a lot i think that's saying a lot because the secondary does have al walcott coming back not only you're getting a single digit guy who's coming back to the program as well and christian morgan so i think those two guys anchor your secret secondary but at receiver then it's like all right sweet now what now i think armani winfield is one of those guys who could step up and be a, in a big role i think josh fleeks will eventually trans transition back to receiver i, I really believe that him moving to running back just shows that Josh Fleeks is probably not going to be a utilized target in Baylor's offense next season because he's maybe the third best running back at best in that spot and will not be utilized very often. So if you're moving him from receiver, which is already a pretty thin position, I think it says a lot about Josh Fleeks going into the year. I think Armani Winfield is one of those big guys, though. I'd probably put him as my number one as things sit. I think Hal Presley's a guy who could go out and make some great plays. Monterey Baldwin, we saw him in the spring game, was pretty electric. Those three guys I'm looking out for. Uh, I have obviously, you know, people throw around gavin holmes too as being uh, a guy that for baylor is uh you know well no no I, here's what i want to go here's what i want to go best receiver on the team you ready for this yep let's do it ben sims period period oh yeah ben sims is going to be it's your most reliable target on the field granted he's not a receiver but he's going to be next season especially under jeff grimes and i think that in itself is going to help anchor baylor's passing game because guess what how many times you can ask blake shape to unload it every game in the wide zone probably not very many and i'm okay with that use your offensive line while you got it might as well that's a good point uh so another big topic obviously has been the nil um and really the new rules 
quote unquote that are going to go into place. And the NCAA is obviously in a position where they're reeling. Mark Emmert has really ran that thing into the ground, in my opinion. Um, but this is a good opportunity for them to kind of saving grace moment to come in, swoop in, and try to right the ship. Yeah. What are your thoughts on where we're at right now? And Pernay, I know you got a good legal aspect of this as well that I want to hear. Uh, but Drake, what are your thoughts right now on where we're at with the NIL and the possibility they thrown out there, oh, we can go back and punish some of these teams. Do you, I don't yeah. think that's going to happen. What What are your mm-hmm. thoughts? I don't believe any team will be punished just because it's been such a crap show across the board. The NCAA grossly mishandled this in not setting very sturdy parameters going into it. It was kind of a free-for-all from the beginning. But I'll say this, Garrett. I think you're going to see that level of free-for-all stand for a pretty good amount of time. They're going to have to slowly but surely put new parameters because you can't just open the floodgates all at once and then try to close them immediately. I don't think you can do this with the NIL because once you do, you're now asking for almost every team across the board to start having violation after violation after violation. You're going to have to wean teams already off of this but from a Baylor perspective particularly man I don't think here's the way that I put it on on the show uh pretty recently is that think about the million dollar players that Baylor's had in the past with the football team right the guys that had million dollar NIL deals in the last six seasons it, it's zero it's zero you know there's not a single guy who what is Richard Carr reaching out and giving him five thousand dollars yeah. maybe but there's not a single guy who's making a million dollars in the Baylor program. And guess what? They've been to two big 12 championship games. They've won one of them, two sugar bowls. They won one of those. Baylor doesn't need the million dollar guy out of the NIL. And I'll tell you this, Dave Aranda, if a kid comes to Baylor and leaves after his sophomore season, citing that he'd rather make a million dollars at Texas than play for Baylor and buy for a conference championship, Dave Aranda's going to say, sweet. See you later. Thanks for, thanks for playing. I've got another three-star guy that you've never heard of who's going to come here and be a third-round NFL draft pick. That's all I need. This guy didn't want a dime. I don't care. We'll win with that dude. And so I think Baylor's in a great spot because they're not going to fall into that trap. can tell you Dave Aranda's not, and it's going to pay dividends in the end when the Texas guys don't feel like they're making enough money and start transferring other places mm-hmm. to make millions elsewhere, whereas Baylor guys know, hey, my max is like 15000 bucks, but that's not why I'm here. I'm getting a free education at Baylor University and playing football for the prospect of being drafted. So I think from a Baylor perspective, for may, maybe you agree, I, I think Dave Aranda and the Bears are all right. I, for, well, Pernay, I want to get to this, but I want to follow that, Drake. So I do feel like, to, ba- to me, Baylor's in a unique situation where they can offer development and back it up with a track record of success. That In a lot of programs, it, you mentioned Texas, yeah, you can throw all the damn money out there you want to, but you haven't been able to develop anything. And I feel like that's the one thing that Baylor has that probably 98% of the schools in the nation can't say. Mm, I like that. Pernay, you like it? Yeah, I do. No, from a Baylor standpoint, I, th- I think we're fine. Um, I So I saw your your show with, I think it was John Garcia from, yeah, yeah. from, from SI. So I, I remember you mentioning that maybe the NFL development won't be as important now that they're making money in college. But I think that the specific culture that Dave Aranda has set up at Baylor, the fact that he he's putting a focus on developing players as people and he's, he has that winning culture and he has that culture where he's proven now he can, he can send players to the NFL. And I think even though it was a Matt rule class, Dave Aranda's development had a lot to do with it. So from that standpoint, I feel like Baylor will be fine. Um, but from the from the punishment standpoint, I also agree that they're not going to be able to punish these schools. So so the legal the legal analysis I kind of want to do. I'm not going to get get too deep into it, but 
the the case this is all based on is the Supreme Court's decision in NCAA v. Alston, which essentially said that under the Antitrust Act, which was created by Congress in 1890, the NCAA can't prevent or put a cap on what these schools are giving in terms of educational benefits to players. And the reason NIL falls under that is because technically any of these NIL deals can be passed off as an internship or some kind of educational benefit. Yeah. So, so with the NCAA saying that they don't want to, they don't want to pay for play and they don't want these boosters to be handing out money. I just feel like it's too hard to prove that it's not an educational benefit. Anyone can say that they're giving these players an internship. So I, I just simply don't think unless Congress steps in, which we've seen, some of these commissioners go and try to make that happen. I don't think there's going to be any kind of punishment. Well, I hope not. <laughs> I mean, for the sake of like, because here's why I say I hope not. Because I know there are already a few Baylor players that have tapped into it. And with the lack of parameters, granted, I think Baylor's one of the more uh, structured places in America with this probably. But I can tell you still, they probably have not followed the rules to a T. Because no one, what are the rules? Nobody Where knows. are the rules? Fair enough. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another thing coming out yesterday, I believe it was well, it was a couple of days ago that the NCAA Oversight Committee has decided that more than likely we're going to start scratching these conference championship games, yeah. and, and which leads to you know do you have divisions? Do you not have divisions? What are your obviously the Big Twelve right now is in a situation where they don't have the divisions. You got the round robin. You implemented your championship game. What was it two years ago? Three years ago when you yeah. implemented yeah. that? Do you like the idea of? of how the big 12 does it do you like when the when the new big 12 comes together do you want to see divisions or what are your thoughts on that i i am finally coming on the pod train i was not on the pod train and here i am and the reason why is these leagues are going to become increasingly spread out from a geographic standpoint and you're going to to see that in the big 12 when byu has to go from provo to orlando to play central florida or to morgantown to play west virginia or west virginia has to they already are going to waco or to to lubbock and what you're going to see is these teams will need someone to play every year in a 12 team league which the big 12 is going to be obviously you can't play everybody you got to have your three or four non-conference games so what you'll start seeing is all right how do you how do you mix it up and the best way to do that is through divisions, right? Where yep. you have, here are the six teams or the five teams you play every single year. And then you start dipping your toes to the other squads on the other side. But what's way more intriguing, and I think is going to give these conferences a lot more leeway in their scheduling is the pod format. All 12 teams, four pods. So Baylor's pod itself is going to have, well, I would even say three pods, probably the best way to do it. You're going to have four teams. Say it's Baylor, Tech, TCU, and uh, Houston, right? right. Are, your, are your teams there. So Baylor's going to play Tech, Houston, TCU every year. And then the Big 12 has the leeway now to create the best schedule to put a Big 12 team in the college football playoff. Conferences are starting to get smart. 
they are not uh, they're no longer in the division system the sec making georgia go play alabama right making georgia go play lsu or auburn it's going to be georgia and you know arkansas on a down year or mississippi state and the reason why is because they don't want you to lose so hey next season say oklahoma state's gonna be great sweet they'll play their teams in their pod and then outside of that you'll get like a wow their schedule's oddly easy out of the conference, but the point is to put one of those teams in the national title conversation, and it's only going to be smart on the conference on the conference side to break into pods. That's a good point. I, I want to follow up real quick. So, with that being said, how do you how do you see teams going about their non-conference schedule? Do you get to a situation where? You're still trying to schedule up, um, or are you going to see less of these? Maybe, like, all right, for instance, Baylor starting off with Albany. Are we going to see less of that to yeah. bulk up, or, or what? What do you? How do you see that playing out? So, Garrett, the way the college football is right now, that we've started to notice is these teams are playing really strong non-conferences to build their schedules and build their resumes for the four-team playoff, right? Let's say that yep. we lose a game over the course of the regular season in conference play. Well, at least we beat Ohio State in the non-conference earlier this yep. year. They have that feather in their cap. What I think you're going to see is this matter less and less. And I think the NCAA kind of wants to see it matter less and less, the non-conference, because now – if you get a, say, a 12-0 and Big 12 team, no matter who they played in the Big 12, that 12-0 and team is going to go to the, the Final Four or the college football playoff. Moreover, the playoff is inevitably going to expand in the next 10 years, inevitably going to expand to 8 or 12. What It could be 6. I don't care. It's going to get bigger, and the non-conference is going to matter less and less. I think you're almost going to see more teams that want to go play an Albany or go play a Sam Houston State or an SFA. And the reason why is if we are 12-0 and our non-conference included Albany, Sam Houston, we'll say Albany, right, Texas State, mm -hmm. and give me like, what's another, like FBS like, team, let's go like, like UTSA or something. Or, UTSA, or, that's yeah. perfect, that's perfect. If those are your three non-conference and your other nine are conference games and you went 12-0, and 0, who cares? You're going, you know, you're going to Cincinnati, you're going to the playoff. So to me, we are getting increasingly more to the point where those big non-conference games are not going to matter. It just is about winning your conference to make the playoff. Yeah, Cincinnati had about six of those games last year. So, yeah. So clearly, yeah, right, clearly right. running on the is enough. Even in conference, you know, and yeah, that's what Tulsa, it takes. Tulane. Right. Congrats. Sweet. <laughs> and then, you know, which they gave a great fight against Alabama. Credit to those guys still, but you're, you're exactly right. It, it wasn't their non – they beat Notre Dame. Awesome. Mm -hmm. You know, but it's, yeah. everybody knows that, like, no, you can beat Notre Dame no matter how high they're ranked. Everybody's going to be like, oh, it's Notre Dame. Everybody beats them yep. every year. It's a given. <laughs> that's funny. Um, I want to, I want to make a jump to a sport that Garrett and I, Garrett and I don't, don't really talk about on this podcast, but I want to ask you about baseball real quick. Yeah. So what are your expectations for coach Rod? What are the chances he's gone next season? And, yeah. and do you think he's a guy who can take this team to the next level? Uh, let me say this, Pranay, I have always, and I, I know that this kind of comes with like, I, I'm not paid to only talk good things about Baylor. Right. I, I'm not here to only say nice things, but I will say genuinely one of the best coaches I've been around from a media access standpoint, from just a nice guy, good dude, great program off the field standpoint. You can't get much better than Steve Rodriguez. Unbelievable in the community. Great academic All-Americans, academic All-Big 12 across the board. His team is built with culture in mind. 
but at some point that culture road meets the winds road and typically after once you hit a breaking point the winds road just takes precedence right you want somebody that can do both dave aranda nikki collins scott drew and when you see those programs at baylor that are succeeding like that and baseball is not the spotlight just gets that much brighter so right now you're in a position where there have been murmurs about john strauss the pitching coach who i think is a prototype from a personality standpoint of steve rodriguez and i think from a technical standpoint maybe not the best coach in the country and that is hurting this pitching staff you're seeing a lot of guys that are getting injured you're seeing a very thin bullpen that most folks are pointing to hey well this is consistent it's usually on the staff so I think that will probably be the first domino to fall, but also those guys are package deal. From yep. what I've heard, where one goes, the other goes with, and if one is gone, the other's going with him. So I don't know that Coach Rod would ever part ways with John Strauss, the pitching coach, and if that's the case, I think that ship will go down with both the captain and the first mate together, and at the trajectory of this baseball season, unless they win the Big 12 tournament, which I think is their only way left to make it into the NCAA postseason, I, I think a change is inevitable, and I hate to say that. I really do, because these are great dudes. And if they hold them on one more year, look, I think there's a way that they could get it done in the future. Do I think Steve Rodriguez is a World Series caliber coach? I want to say yes, but how do I back that up, right? Like, what do I point right, to to yeah. say that, I, that I'm right in that? So I, I, I hate to say it, but I, I do think we're at about a 75% chance that we do see a change next season on the baseball diamond. I think it's oh, inevitable. Wow. I think it's definitely coming. Um, even going back, if you go back and look at Pepperdine, I mean, it was pretty much this year in and year out. Um, and then I think yeah. the, while I think you could have some people out there make the counter argument of why is Rod getting so much slack if, if Glenn Moore and the softball team are struggling as well. Well, Glenn right. Moore is dealing with a bunch of freshmen and sophomores first off and not seniors. a bunch yeah, of upperclassmen. It's a, it's a little different animal for that argument, in my opinion. Right. No, I, Glenn Moore has been to five World Series, I think, now. Yeah. And his last one was five years ago. Like, I, that is not that long ago. And he has two seniors on roster that don't really play. So, not to mention, he is in the same boat as everybody else with battling against teams that are just going to the transfer portal and taking 10 players every year and saying, oh, you are starting second baseman last year? Yeah, sorry, we got somebody new. Yep. And he's never going to do that for – better or for worse i say for better look keep the guy around goes to playoffs every other year every year and doesn't replace his entire roster with transfers from the portal like these are people garrett i, I know we're, we're getting close on time but what i want folks to understand is that these are real life people like yeah these athletes that girl standing at second base right now she's got a mom and a dad she's at baylor to get an education like she's been in class for three years trying to get a degree at baylor university and what these other schools are doing are saying Thank you for your time and service. We have somebody else that we think is better than you. We're going to put in your spot. And maybe there's a place for that at certain universities and in certain situations. But at Baylor University, when you have crafted a career out of something and you are a real human being, and then you just hear one day, yeah, sorry, yeah, your job, yeah, we can't, we can't pay for your degree anymore. Dude, I, I would rather lose 100 games over and not do that to real people. Oh, no doubt. That's so true. And, and that's what Baylor is all about, right? Creating that, that family environment, making sure that you, you show that you care about these players as people because most of them aren't going pro. They're going to have to get their degree and, and, and find a career outside of sports. Yeah. 
No, I think that's something that we miss. We miss a lot of times, even you know, national pundits especially. But these are real people. And when you think about that, mm, perspective gets real, real. Uh, it slaps you in the face. It's a great way to put it. It does. Uh, I want to go. The last thing I have here, I want to talk about the, the, the draft. You have a record six players go out. Uh, for me, I was looking and I was kind of going over my, my favorite landing spot, some of the players I'm concerned about in their situations. But one situation keeps coming up, and that's JT Woods out there uh, with the Chargers. Yeah. He's in a division, dude, where you're going to face Pat Mahomes, Derek Carr, Russell Wilson on a week-in, week-out basis in division on top of what you're going to see you know, not in division. What are your thoughts on the players drafted? Who ended up with the best fit, worst fit, in your opinion? And what are your opinions on JT Woods' situation, given the the quarterback caliber he's going to face? Well, let's start right there then with JT Woods. I think what you're going to get with uh, with JT Woods is the opportunity. Think about this. You say, like, look, Garrett, you're going to go be uh, a guy who's going to play in the secondary in maybe the toughest league in a sport oh, no to doubt. be in that position. Look, day one, you got to show up or, you know, go home, you, right? Like, put up, shut up immediately. And if I'm that guy, it's like, look, I, I don't want to sit somewhere where it's like, okay, is he good? Is he bad? We can't tell because level, level of competition. Send me out against the best guy day one and, like, let me go, go prove it. And if I can't, well, then I'll be. I'd be great in the Arena Football League. But I think JT Woods has that same mentality. Everything I know of him, look, I, I know you've heard plenty of interviews with him and been in the same press conferences as JT Woods, one of the brightest guys yep. that has – ever existed on and off football field i can tell you he's not thinking uh-oh patrick mccombs i don't believe the moment will ever be too big for jt woods i am really happy though for all of these baylor guys obviously i think drew estrada being the nfl is not something i expected so i would say i was shocked by that in the best way ever the fact that he's getting a shot uh jalen petrie being back home in houston is huge as well i know he was really excited seeing terrell bernard get the opportunity to play in the league is just it, it means a lot to me because it's a guy that i've gotten to interact with a few times now and just know a lot about his character and his heart excited for him uh overall to taekwon getting drafted as high as he did i didn't see that coming i was floored i thought he could have fallen to the fourth round even and so I think Baylor's in a great position after the NFL draft. It looks great from a recruiting standpoint, too. I was excited about it. I know those guys are all getting a chance now to make an impact. Look, if Clay Johnson can Johnson can log a tackle in the Super Bowl within two years of being in the NFL, I know that Terrell Bernard, Jalen Petrie, JT Woods, Tyquan Thornton, the list goes on. Those guys will be okay. Last question. Matthew Meyer, where does he end up? It is Matthew Meyer time for somebody not named Baylor. It is it is not going to be the NBA to me. Uh, if he does go pro, Croatia, Lithuania, China are probably all on the phone right now. Um, I don't think the NBA is where he needs to be right now. He had a regression from his junior to his senior year. And so I don't think that trends up into the NBA. I think he's going to hear the same thing from scouts. He's got the prototype. He's got the archetype but he's not ready for the NBA. Therefore, he's going to end up at a college next season. He's already followed Leaky Black and Sean May on Instagram. So I think UNC is a very is a, a spotlight landing point. Uh, Illinois also up there too. Arkansas, I know, has been in the in the conversation. Texas Tech as well. Those four schools, I think, would be the big, the, the Mount Rushmore that he's probably uh, prized to go to. I think it's one of those, but right now everything points toward North Carolina. I'm hoping, God, I'm hoping he doesn't go to UNC. I'm hoping that Baylor never has to play him again. Right. Uh, I know there's not really bad blood there, but any time a player leaves in the in their career to go somewhere else, there's always just such chippiness about it. So uh, best of luck to him. But uh, if I had to put all my money somewhere, it's that he's not going to be in the NBA next year. 
I agree. 110%, man. Drake, uh, we appreciate it. Tell everybody where they can find the Locked On Baylor podcast and where they can find you at on social media. Yeah, 100%. You follow at Locked On Baylor on Twitter or follow at Drake Toll, Drake C. Toll, I think. It's something like that on Twitter. And then uh, Locked On Baylor podcast, anywhere you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple Music, put together two coconuts and a wire. You can probably grab us. Uh, or on YouTube as well. Go subscribe to Locked On Baylor on YouTube and follow along. A lot of big stuff this week from uh, Josh Pate, John Garcia Jr. and uh, the like. That's Drake Toll, and that's all the time we have today. We appreciate you listening. We'll catch you next time on the Bears Illustrated Podcast. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.